It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. We did manage to watch some football this weekend, though that really isn't the highlight here. That really isn't the headline. Is it Ryan Nanny joining us on, on this college football podcast, which has to take a slight divert into, I don't know, human resources, management, that kind of thing? Failure. I mean, it's not that different from talking about Florida after all. Yeah, we recorded this podcast last night. I'm responsible for recording both ends of it and editing it. And I, yes, I hear you all laughing and mocking me right now. The idea that somebody edits this podcast is ridiculous. That somebody puts time and effort into it. Laughable. But I do because I try because I'm stupid. Not today because do you know what happened? My computer, I think because we said we were doing an all Florida or all things connected to Florida full cast, just said nope. So I have... One audio file on my computer that's just me talking to nothing. Is it a metaphor? You're goddamn right it is. So we're not doing that. We're throwing <laughs> that the pull out. Far for the course to be so now, so now I'm just recording off my laptop mic in a um, just like a phone room here at the Vox Media New York offices. It's going to sound like shit. I'm not going to edit it at all. We're just going to publish it almost entirely as is. And anybody who takes issue with it, can fucking fight me. Hell yeah. Talk that shit. Let him have it, man. So I, I like that this is at least the second time this has happened. Um, where we've had one one full caster just talking it like like in a uh, Garfield minus Garfield situation, audially. <laughs> and I also like that your computer just, just took one look at all that Florida and just punted. Punt, 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 punt. Do not want. Do not want. Uh, so yeah, we can talk about Florida, 
We can talk about the other games. I honestly don't care. As long as we record something that involves all three of us and not just fucking me, I consider this a win. That's how low my standards have fallen. We're in record label releasing best of album just to check off a contractually obligated album <laughs> portion of the of the season. This only has two new tracks on it. Yeah, you're fucking right. It does. Clip yeah, they're both recorded in 1988. Do something about it. <laughs> only live tracks. That's what you get. You get the recycled live but, track. But there Bonus is one, extended version. With there, like is, five seconds there is one upside to this, uh, this cock up on my part. We we talked about a bunch of games. I'm not going to pretend that I remember what we said about them. I do remember that we had a good riff on um, Ohio State's quarterbacks from 2014 being the Trinity, but we're not going to rehash that. We did not, however, talk about one of the most amazing things of the college football weekend, and that came from the Kentucky-Tennessee game. And it was not something done by either of the coaches or players, at least not directly. Spencer, what was the greatest greatest moment of this particular game? I think the greatest moment came early in the Tennessee-Kentucky game because it is the only time I have ever seen this. Got a little chippy early, and the referees, like the bus drivers of so many public schools that I went to, decided that the easiest way to stop it was to just convict everybody. And how did they do that, Jason Kirk? Well, they tried to defy the, uh, the the wisdom of Bubba Sparks. They tried to arrest them all. They just flagged everybody on the fucking field. Well, even even on the field is not expansive enough. They didn't they didn't specify. <laughs> it was, they, said, it, they said the personal foul on everybody. Right on the sideline, in the luxury boxes, in the stand, the whole damn states, in the Maybe. world. I mean, Ryan, you're the lawyer here. Who do, who who? What was the extent of the flagging here? So I think, you know, the, the statutory construction we should use here is that um, a referee's authority, we can agree, only extends to players and coaches. Referees can't really flag fans or media members. They could, in theory, throw them out of the game, but you couldn't throw a penalty flag on them. So let's assume that it only includes them. However, there is no limitation beyond that. So my theory is that from any player who was actively involved in a game at that moment in time in college football was assessed a 15-yard penalty uh, on sportsmanlike conduct. And yes, that means that we should go back and reverse engineer and say, you know what? Maybe Nebraska didn't score that touchdown to beat Purdue. Maybe it shouldn't have counted. Maybe we should fire Mike Riley. I'm sure Baker Mayfield picked up an unsportsmanlike somewhere in that second quarter. He's probably booted now. If 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 he didn't, if he hadn't, he deserved it. We all know I'm that. A, I'm a little disappointed if he hadn't. Oh, well, I, so if a, if a crowd throws a bunch of shit in the end zone and delays a game or whatever, like that team can be hit with a with a penalty for that. So I mean, sure. I think the rest the rest power extends to the crowd in in a certain extent. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's sort of fuzzy, I guess. If you pay me enough money, I will. I will uh, dig into the legal archives and see what I can. I'll I'll write you up a brief on it, but it's not going to be cheap. Just so you know. It's, so yeah, I'm, I will bankroll this effort. And and it was even better because, you know, college football has this. Uh, was it this year or last year that they instituted the two personal foul rule? Uh, it was last year for coaches. I'm not right. sure exactly when it went in for players. Right. So yeah. basically, the rule is you get two personal fouls of any kind. 
in the course of a game and you're out. So Tennessee and Kentucky, very early in the game, everybody was just like, guess what? Everybody's coming to the plate 0-2. I dare you to swing. I dare you to swing. And it got at least two players kicked out of this game, as I recall. Yeah, mind you, it got an important player. It got Rashawn Golden. He's had quite a two weeks because Rashawn Golden got kicked out. And uh, what did what happened at the end of the game? Yeah, that's right. The Tennessee secondary helped surrender a key score in this game to put Kentucky up for good and to beat Tennessee and Lexington. That mattered. You should also know that Rashawn Golden, you might remember that name. You should. He's the guy who uh, told the crowd that they were number one. Give him 11s. Shot the double bird in Alabama during Alabama's blowout of Tennessee. So when Tennessee finally scored... He gave him the double bird. This is my way of saying that Rashawn Golden is obviously the best player on Tennessee, period. He's definitely the most player on Tennessee. <laughs> Rashawn Golden is definitely the most player on Tennessee. And for that, for that, I salute him. you got to have a title and you got to be Excelsior in at least one degree. It might as well be in being yourself. And how do you salute? How do you, how do you most appropriately salute him? Oh, I'm giving him the full stone cold. <laughs> you can't see me right that. now, but I'm doing this as hard as I can. <laughs> The, the true stone cold where you're flipping the bird, but you've turned it around. So it's not like it's like I'm not flipping you off. I'm flipping up off all these haters behind That's me. Right. That's you know right. what I'm doing? I'm flipping off both teams. Everybody on both benches. Everybody. That's what I'm doing. Fuck all at everyone. Once. Yellow cards for all of Appalachia at once. <laughs> I I was overjoyed when this happened because it was literally it was literally the first time I had ever seen the all y'all employed <laughs> right the like group the, the like the like cc everybody <laughs> group text the entire game y'all all get it putting everyone <laughs> in the stands the reply all yeah no this you replied all to the stadium and you rode with it right like who did it go to oh, i don't know just hit address book everybody gets first it. of all fuck each and every last one of you as a staff <laughs> as a record label as a motherfucking stadium <laughs> i i respect it i know that this will probably be. This is the only time I, I actually want to be in on the officials' call, for the week. Is just so that I could hear y'all. No, <laughs> no, no. I hope no. it's the. I hope it's the other way. It's like you are the bravest men we've ever seen. You <laughs> dare. You dared to go where not even eagles fly. Bro, that was sick. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 the you ultimate street fight. It's the ultimate street fighter combo. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, three, four, five, boom, 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 boom. Crowd oh. <laughs> KO I'm so I'm I'm so impressed by this. Uh that was obviously the best thing that happened this week. It period. In in football, I mean involving anything, right? Including the firing of Jim McElwain. If you had said you know, if you could have any one thing happen this week, you said the firing of Jim McElwain or this, I would have said, you know, McElwain's probably going to get fired anyway. I'll take this. I'll take my chances. Yeah, this is new and unexpected. Um, Florida hiring a Nick Saban disciple who can't get anything out of the offense um, and leaves in just sort of cheapest, stupid fashion. Yeah, that's not new. Seen this movie. This one, this, the sequel was somehow worse. I have seen that movie before. And uh, who knows? We could see it again. Fantastic. Um, yeah, great job, Georgia. Just 
you know, I, I, I have come to terms with it by, by telling myself that you don't want a small forest fire. You know, small forest fires are bad because they can spread and they don't really do anything for that. You want a big forest fire. You want mm-hmm. one that just like cleans everything out so that that's how you get growth. That's how you get rebirth and newness. And, and you know what, Georgia, you just, you just unloaded all the flamethrowers on Florida. And I appreciate that because it's cleansing. You cleansed us in the fire. You want to, you want a controlled fire. Yeah. To you know, you want to clear out all that brush so right. it doesn't um, spark up during dry season. And goddamn, if there was one thing Georgia <laughs> did in Florida, it was control. And if there's one thing Florida's offense was, it was a dry season, a real dry <laughs> season. <laughs> it's been dry for a while. All right, we're running out. Still, still a tumbleweed. steady trick, though. Two hundred and sixty-eight straight games of trickling. That's right. We're running thirty-eight tumbleweed Z break. This is this is a lot like this streak is a lot like the world's oldest tree when they show the world's oldest tree like here's the world's oldest tree still kicking after two thousand eight hundred years and what, what it looks it like, is it looks like what does it do it persists it looks like a piece of driftwood doesn't even put out leaves anymore they're like it's technically alive seven hundred fifty year old turtle just sunning itself kill yeah. me kill me it's eating a piece of lettuce for like eight thousand days straight look at it go. <laughs> that's um, the florida offense and yeah. that by the way you know if you watch the game it's amazing how little georgia had to try they they all all georgia did was just all they had to do was fill out the forms man that's all they did like oh look we made a tackle on your terrible play oh look we blocked everyone blocked correctly yeah this it was is- this is a little um, legalistic, but have you have you two ever seen a trial where one side is representing themselves? That's what this <laughs> game. That's what this game I, was. Georgia, Georgia, you hired an attorney. You hired a good attorney. Did his homework. Did discovery. Got all his motion papers in order. Florida, you decided to represent yourself pro se, and Georgia wisely said, "You know what? I'm gonna let Florida speak. I'm gonna let Florida speak for as long as they want. Say whatever they want to the judge." Say whatever they want to the jury. Not going to object. Not going to try to slow them down or stop them. Just going to let them be as Florida as they fucking can be. Yeah, and that if you look at the box score, this reflects this. Uh, Florida's got more first downs. They they had the ball more. They 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 just did more stuff, which is the saddest thing of all. There was so much so much effort in all directions and. None of it matters. Florida's calling their pet iguana as a witness? Sure. Put him on the stand. Absolutely. His name's Lenny? I love it. Swear him in. Georgia in the huddle every snap. Just like, click, ask ask Corso. Sure. Fine. Give me the play. Okay. Run it. It worked. Okay. Great. Give me another one. That's fine, too. Sure. Yeah. No, they were just clicking, like, choose type of play, right? And most of the time it was run. Run. Because, because remember, if you're Milton Berle and you need to win a bar bet, you only pull out enough to win. And that's exactly what Georgia did. They passed seven times. Seven times. I mentioned that at the top, whatever. I'd like to repeat it here. When, when the other team only throws seven times, you're on some, you're on some extremely humiliating shit for the other team. It's also, they only threw seven times and Florida threw 25. So you would think just the way numbers work, you'd be like, Florida had to finish with more passing yards, right? No. No, Georgia finished with almost 40 more passing yards, throwing the ball seven times 
than Florida did throwing it 20 fucking five. You know, when a, when a team from Georgia plays Florida and just doesn't pass, bad things. You could also, this is that game plan. I would just write these words across it for Georgia, which is, or for Florida, which is for sale, baby shoes never worn. <coughs> QB shoes. For sale, QB shoes never worn. QB shoes never worn. It's a saddest story, and it only took so many words to tell the story. Yeah, it's, it's bad, but you know, I, I enjoy that it's decisive. I yeah. do. Because, uh, one, the, the, the reason we lost this game just got fired. That happened. Because... Uh, yes and no. Doug Nussmeyer is still running the offense, so. <laughs> oh, oh, we do get to watch that, which what a joy that'll be because you get to hear, you know, national commentators and analysts openly make fun of what's happening on the field. Like basic things. Yeah, that's that's a joy. But he won't be running the offense forever. More importantly, he, he won't be recruiting, which is another thing. I enjoy that there was so little faith in what was happening there that the minute that milk turned, right, the minute that anything happened to indicate that it was going bad, as if this were a zombie movie where somebody just spiked a little fever, right? Like, were you bitten? No, 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 no. Did you just sneeze? No, man. <coughs> Stab. That's 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 what Florida was waiting for. And if you don't believe that, I don't know, go back and look at the statement that the university put out sort of hanging the coach out to dry when he said they were death threats but didn't elaborate on them. And the university was like, oh, yeah, he didn't give us any further information on those. So. So we're going to fire him in a few days. We're going to try and save about nine million first <laughs> if we can. <laughs> and we did, by the way cut about nine million off that buyout thanks and, it's, and, 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 and it's even better because his his agent is all jimmy saxon is also the agent of at least one coach that florida is probably interested in talking to so he was like yeah seems fair seems good all right we done here so have you ever so, seen have you ever seen that before what a, a coach taking less of a buyout or? no a coach a coach's agent putting himself in a position where one might reasonably infer that he was saving or that he was saving the university money on one deal so that he could make another. I mean, now I'm not saying that's what he was doing. Right. I'm just saying one could infer that. I mean, I think, I think he probably looks at it this way. Um, Jim McElwain's going to get another job. Jimmy Sexton's going to get his percentage. Like who it comes from is sort of irrelevant. The more the more chaos you can cause, the more of your clients you can cause to get raises from their current schools or go somewhere else and make more money. It's all good. So you just need to like why you don't want to gum up the chaos, the coaching carousel. You need that sucker to spin and spin fast because it spits money when it does, and you get a percentage of that money. So just you know, if this is the cost of greasing this unsafe carnival ride buddy let's slap some crisco on these ball bearings and go that's spoken like a true florida man thanks i'm pretty dead inside now since we talked about uh florida for as dictated by the listeners for 70 minutes last night yeah um we can probably jump off and discuss some penn state ohio state which i'll think yeah i think that's 
I'm much more comfortable. That'd be, that'd be a nice a nice refreshing change of pace. I'm much more comfortable living there. But so so many points, first of all. Yeah, look 30, at 39 all. on one side, 38 on another. Didn't even know that was legal. <laughs> this was a game where you had uh, Ohio State, uh, as Bill wrote, spotted Penn State 14 points, uh, kicked to Saquon, and then did a bad job on kick coverage. Well, that's seven right there. Gave up an early fumble. Well, that's another 14. And despite that and a whole bunch of other weird stuff, um, pulled off the comeback. And if you look at the yards per play, dominated Penn State all game long other than the big weird plays. This is one of the most impressive performances by any team this year, to be quite honest. Yeah. And put all, all game long, despite that, despite spotting up 14 points, putting Penn State in bad positions on both sides of the ball. I mean, Saquon Barkley... Saquon Barkley wasn't that effective, you know, aside from the the runs that he was going to get, right? Like, they handed him the kickoff return, right? But other than that, not there's not, not a whole lot there in terms of consistent production. They pretty much turned him into a random occurrence, right? And they did that with their defensive line. You know, I don't think Penn State's offensive line probably got enough scrutiny prior to this game. One, one reason is that they weren't playing Ohio State the rest of the season. Because especially they had, the, they had only played Akron seven times. Yeah, just seven Akrons in a row. And when you play Ohio State, uh, what you're facing on the D line, it's, it's a little bit different. It's also good because we're slowly learning that every Ohio State game, every big Ohio State game, has to have like certain elements, and it's really just a matter of who fate has assigned those elements will go to. Um, questionable call. Uh, yeah, you had at least one of those with a touchdown in the end zone that was re- called a called an interception taken away by Ohio State that upon review was turned and in, turned into a touchdown. Uh, yeah, had that um, fluky special teams block. Yeah, went the other way this time uh, with a 35-20 lead with about 12 minutes left to play. Penn State punted from the Ohio State 43. You're thinking, okay, they're just going to drop it in there. Um, Ohio State's going to have a long field. Nope. Blocked, and Ohio State started with the ball at the Penn State 41, scored two plays later to make this a one-score game. It's just these are the things you have to have. Um, And then you also have to have um, one quarterback completely – melting down. Sometimes it's JT Barrett. Sometimes he's the one who just can't complete a pass to save his life when it matters. Uh, it turns out it was Trace McSorley in this one. That that last possession that Penn State had, when they got the ball after a kind of a shitty squib kick, started at the 41, down one with a minute 48 to play, and I believe all three timeouts, and this is what they did. Incomplete pass to Saquon Barkley, sacked for a loss of five yards, incomplete pass to Mike Kosicki, incomplete pass to Juwan Johnson. They didn't, they didn't gain a yard in this, in this, uh, final drive for them, which was just, God. No, I mean, Ryan, you mean you say a yard. That means they gained multiple yards, right? Like more than, more than one? A negative five is a multiple, yes. Ah, okay. So Hmm. you you can do that multiplication. Also, in this Ohio State big game template, you need people bitching about a specific running back not getting enough carries, which for the first half, it was J.K. Dobbins for Ohio State. 
Their running backs, Ohio State backs finished up with 20 carries to JT Barrett's 17 carries to 39 throws, which that's not all that out of whack in a shootout. Uh, and by the end, it was, you know, Saquon only touched it so many times and not much toward the end. And like, you know, when you really look at it, he was averaging 2.1. And Ohio State's defensive line looked like a fucking pack of hounds. So that's pretty understandable as well. It, it, but it's just something you have to gripe about. You have to look at like the pitch counts, like your baseball fans sure, or something, and, sure, sure, and sure. act like you know, like this guy needs to be shooting more threes. Yeah, it's a baseball I, term. The, yeah. the thing, the thing that that both Notre Dame and Ohio State have in common, if you just watch them, is the ability. So many to... people just bristled just at the mm-hmm. idea that you're mm-hmm. bringing this up. But okay, no, 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 no. I'm I'm going to do this. All okay. right. It, is that they have the ability to just slowly turn the screws, right, and just put pressure. They put pressure at so many points, right, defensively, offensively, um, maybe not so much on special teams, but so much pressure at every single point on the field. Like, if you watch Penn State, I mean, they just they unraveled in really simple ways, right? Like, really simple sort of coverage rules and stuff because... They just, if it wasn't the run, it was the pass. And if it wasn't the pass, well, it was probably still the pass because JT Barrett didn't miss a pass in the fourth quarter and threw for 188 yards and three TDs in a quarter against Penn State, a team that didn't have an L coming in. It's un- I mean, it's, it's unreal what happens if you're a team that can consistently do that, even at a low level, because by the po- time the fourth quarter rolls around, um, there's just parts all over the road, right? The machine is coming apart from what the other team has done to you. It's so cool to watch. It really is. Like, when it's working well. Which is one of the reasons, by the way, like, if Ohio State wants to go as far as they want this year, it's fine with me. I really, because they're, they're a joy to watch right now. Um, per internet troll regulations, we are also supposed to mention that the other thing Ohio State and Notre Dame have in common is that they could not get into Michigan. We can continue. Mm, thank you. I mean, I do have a Michigan tattoo, so I'm contractually obligated you're bound you are you are soul bound which yeah. is uncomfortable for you but here we are oh you want to talk about discomfort oh, the uh discomfort is giving up a uh, loss to houston and, and doing it like this okay because usf was undefeated and usf is no longer undefeated and they lost to houston uh houston a team that was under their own kind of pressure i.e major apple white in his first year wasn't going exactly as as planned, this changed things. And do you know how it changed? Uh, they gave up a long fourth down on the final drive. Well, by long, you mean nine, maybe 14, mm-hmm. 15 yards, right? Oh, no, you can just take that little mountain climber from the prices, right? Keep him going. I believe it was, I, I think it was a fourth and 20. Fourth and twenty-four, if I recall. Fourth and twenty-four. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll pull. I'll pull it up here. Um, I mean, heaven yeah. forbid. Fourth and twenty. Excusable. Fourth and twenty-four. Fourth and twenty-four. They completed a thirty-yard pass. Yeah. And, and if you go back and dig this play up, it wasn't like oh somebody got lost in coverage or the uh, you know uh, Derek King scrambled around and somebody just got loose. No, it was just thrown into a sea of South Florida defenders, and none of them made the play. They actually, uh, yeah, he threw it into the lunchroom. That's what it looked like, right? Like, pizza day! (laughs) 
Fruit fight. Uh, Mom um, says I can't have lactose. Yeah, and uh, brought it down, and then uh, as if that weren't bad enough, twenty yard scramble by the quarterback for a TD. Win, Walks in just scot free. Horrible. It was hor- like I, I, it's like I didn't see it happen live. I had to watch it a couple of minutes later, and uh, it was it was worse than I imagined. So that's how USF manages to become a one loss team and hands UCF the keys for for that outside New Year's bid for the team. For the team that we put in for diversity's sake, right? Like, oh, let's just get an American. Let's get some charming team in there. And then that team inevitably just blows up whoever it's, they face. Yeah, it's the Burger Hey, we need a we need a wheelchair kid for this Burger King Kids Club. There yeah. You know, this is we did enough, right? We're we're sensitive now. Good job us. And then USF the U, U, UCF USF is like the vegan option. <laughs> yeah. It's the vegan option, and the, and the vegan option is just going to roll in with a warhammer and absolutely blindside somebody, um, right? Yeah, like, this is just this is just rice with tomatoes on it. Yep, uh-huh, sure is. It sure is. It's the best thing on the menu. Um, now, but what really stings about this is if you're South Florida, this is this was a beatable Houston team. This was a mm-hmm. team that you know had lost to other bad teams, played inconsistently all year long. You had them on the ropes, you know. You should have won this game. It's a lot easier if you're, say, I don't know, TCU, and you look and you, you're like, listen, we just we lost to the giant killers. I, all, all Iowa State does in 2017 is take scalps. That's just what they do. Well, you can't be mad at that. No. Like, Iowa State, by the way, like, once everyone loses to Iowa State, they become the biggest fans of Iowa State, right? Like, because that, that loss has to mean something, Right. The baffling thing about Iowa State is, when did Iowa State figure out that they were good at football? At what point in the schedule? Um, after the Texas game, when their then-starting quarterback was no longer on the team. Correct. They lose their starting quarterback, which sparks a four-game win streak against Oklahoma, including Oklahoma and TCU, both undefeated. Before Actually, that... This all makes sense. Before that, they lose to Iowa 44-41 in OT. Which, all this is all I'm saying. Even though every game Iowa's played this year equals 17-7, save for the Iowa State game, the fundament of any quality team and their schedule will rest on Iowa, right? Because the contagion moves like this. What is Ohio State's only loss? Uh, Oklahoma. Correct. What's Oklahoma's only loss? Iowa State. Correct. And Iowa State's biggest loss would be <sighs> Texas, I guess. That's the, the the one that was not close. No, they care about, right? Oh well, yeah, that's El Asico, which was a great game this year. And again, we're wrong about everything. Correct. So, so any arguments involving those teams and and now TCU since they caught one, yeah. right? They've also, played- who's Ohio State travel to play next? Everything hinges on Iowa. The circle is complete. This is also a good place for us to do our first charity ad read. I'm going to let Jason take it away from here. So this one comes from Kevin, and these uh, these were sent to us a couple months ago as part part of our uh, disaster relief charity drive. So this one is going to sound a little bit outdated on the surface. Kevin says, "Please try to sell people on Texas after we lose to Iowa State. Good luck." 
as we now know, Texas went to Iowa State and won by 10 points. At the time, uh, that was sort of mocked as like, a, oh, Texas finally got back on track by beating <laughs> Iowa State. You know, Texas finally won in Ames. Um, but looking back, that was a really good win for Texas. And it goes even deeper than that. If you look at 2016, you had the win uh, over Notre Dame, number 10 Notre Dame, but Notre Dame went 4-8, and eight, so we're not counting that. This is a bigger win than Notre Dame last year. Uh, you beat a nothing special, really. You beat a 7-6 and six Baylor, but this is going to be a better win than that. Um, 2015, you closed that by beating a 10-3 and three Baylor, but that was a team without a quarterback. Literally did not have a quarterback on the field that day. Um, so we're not going to count that. This is a better win than that. You have to go all the way back to a game that was literally more than two years ago from today when uh, Texas knocked off Oklahoma. Texas beating Iowa State in 2017 was Texas's biggest win in years. So I think you're feeling pretty good about Texas Texas Iowa State game right now. I mean, it's it's keeping Iowa State out of the playoff conversation right now. And you think, oh, you're an idiot and you're making shit up. No, I'm very no. serious. No, we're not making that mad. Like it's the fascinating thing after this week are the number of teams that you can discuss who at least merit theoretical playoff conversation, right? For instance, I don't know. They're they're, they're lurking. Uh, Memphis. I mean, I'm talking at the very furthest. Okay, they're like that, that, that. You went you went way over there to start. So that's I'm like but... I'm at the edge of the yard. Okay, okay? that's yeah. like Bama loses to Charleston Southern or whatever, and then wins the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. Like something that weird, like way out there, but closer in. Like if if you look at teams that you go, man, you know, if if not for a few bounces of the ball or a score here or there, right? We're pretty close to. I mean, we're reasonably close. One game difference from Virginia Tech, right? And Virginia Tech, like, still theoretically an interesting team. Still in, in it. Still in it. You beat Miami. You're you know, all you got to at that point, just went out and beat Clemson. Yeah. The only team that you've lost to, right? Just rectify, rectify what done gone wrong for you, right? Uh, if, if not for, you know, getting beat in pretty bad this weekend. I'm not even going to make the case for NC State. They got hammered. Yeah, it's, a, it's not happening. Also, you have to remember who their other losses to. Because mm-hmm. it's a good South Carolina team, but not a good mm-hmm. enough to be. Yeah, that can be one of your two losses, and you're getting it. It's just fine. It's a, it's still going to be a fine year for NC State. We're all very proud of you, and we love you very much. Um, really, what this is setting up for, though, in two weeks, Iowa State plays Oklahoma State. In as of now, you can't tell me with a definitely straight face that they won't go on the road and beat West Virginia. So we could be looking at like a top ten Iowa State team playing Oklahoma State, and if Oklahoma State wins that game, how fucked is it that like they will be the ones who can say like, well, yeah, look at these, look at this quality win, look at this, look at this shine <laughs> I got on me right here, taking down Iowa State when nobody else could. And and, and I don't know, you're probably thinking like, well, yeah, Iowa State, they're not going to beat West Virginia. Mm, West Virginia's in a very, you know, the holidays are coming. Will Greer is feeling very giving these days. And against that de- defense, they will happily accept any and all charity that you throw. But, buddy, that's the riot bowl. Oh, wow. I mean, you throw out all the statistics. You throw out all the Will Greer 300-yard games when it comes to the riot bowl. 
That's for the that's for the gas can of destiny or whatever it is that <laughs> smoking musket and wide right natty light call it. What is, what is it? Uh, I haven't paid close attention, but there's some story that Iowa State fans like ate a Taco Bell out of all its food after this TCU win. Yeah, they went so hard they crashed. The, they, they emptied out the Taco Bell in Ames. Say, like, pill, like pillaging vandals. Say Just, a, say a prayer for the uh, facilities management personnel uh, in Ames today, because man, they got some work. If you clean out a Taco Bell, they got some work ahead of them. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean Ames is famous for its clean water. That that might not be true today. <laughs> not, not today. You know, if if you're cleaning out an entire Taco Bell, yeah, you, you might want to just wait a minute on the water table. Issue a boil advisory. I'm telling you, the anuses of Ames are boiling today. <laughs> the the other game this week just just kind of baffling to me when you look at it. And we're gonna mention it. In fact, I want you to just admire our restraint in waiting some 30-plus minutes into the podcast to mention this. But it says something about how dismal Florida State season has been thus far oh. that we waited this long. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we we, we joke – not jokingly. We said that there was a good chance Boston College was going to win this game. I was a little skeptical. I am, again, very stupid. I definitely. I don't think anybody here was like, "Oh yeah, it's going to be a thirty-two point victory." Well, I we mean, knew Boston College would score about thirty-five points. Sure, sure, but Flor- Florida State has fallen to such obscene levels of offensive ineptitude at this point that it's just it's it's actually hard to watch. And this is as somebody who you know thought he would be perfectly happy with a terrible Florida State team. Um. Yeah, it's just—it's making me uncomfortable at this point. It's making—it's—it's it's sort of like, okay, sir, can you just—we just need you to leave, sir, sir. I just—no, you're making a scene. Can you just go home? It'd make everybody a lot happier, sir. It's not great. No, it's—it's it's very bad, and a lot of things happen. I, I think that there's a lot of like our, our own Bud Elliott is fond of enumerating all the ways in which Florida State is dysfunctional right now. But it's very hard to look at that first game versus Alabama and not just see that as, you know, when you're about to get sick, right? And you do something stupid like, I don't know, stay up way too late. Or you're like, oh, no, you know, I'm feeling a little run down. But, you know, I think it's a good day to do heavy squats and sprints. Yeah, it's a great idea. And then I'll go drinking. And you wake up the next day and you have a plague. And you were probably already getting sick. But there's one little thing that sort of kicks you over the edge. Uh, playing Bama is that inadvis- inadvisable night out drinking prior to feeling sort of run down. Because that's what really sort of, I think, kicked the barn down for him. I mean, Tennessee has this famous streak earlier in the year where they went, was it a month plus, where they didn't score a touchdown? And, and they went even longer without scoring an offensive touchdown. They have 19 trips to the end zone. Um, in eight games. How many do you think Florida State has in seven? It's 12. Go, it's 12. Ooh, I was going to go 14. It's, it's 12. The only team <clears throat> that has fewer touchdowns, offensive, defensive, special teams, whatever, 
is Kent State, which has eight. UTEP has more touchdowns. Georgia Southern has more touchdowns. Illinois has, like, that's, oof. For a team that has not had, even in down years, you know, relatively down years, they've never had this much trouble just scoring. It's amazingly inept right now. Yeah, you know they're gonna they're gonna beat Florida by twenty, right? Yeah, and you know what? It'll probably be twenty one to two. That sounds right, and it'll be seven Florida State field goals. Those hey, points are points right now, man. I'm not even like this is when you about mid seasons when you get disgusted with lack of production and you go, it's another field goal. Time November ends, you get around a rivalry season, you're like. <laughs> Put 12 on him. Let's do it. <laughs> Run it up. We want 10. <laughs> let's get 18. Come on, let's get 18. Listen. We just went in and dropped nine at Dope Campbell Stadium. Listen, it worked for Stanford, all right? They didn't need. They didn't have a lot of points, but they got the ones they needed to. They went to, and dropped 15 on them. Don't worry about it. It's fine. That's a right. That's that's ranked Stanford. Ugh, rankings are the worst. That's very silly. This is yeah, this no. is what I do think we should allow. We should like the problem with the top twenty five is that you have to you have to fill out the whole thing. And I do think we should allow whether it's the playoff committee or the AP or the coaches. I think we should allow them to just like just stop when you want. If you're like I ranked sixteen teams and everybody else is trash, I think you should be allowed to do that. I think the top twenty five should have twenty five as a as a maximum. But if you're like, yeah, I'm only ranking nine teams. Everybody else is kind of trashy. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. No, no. Yeah. That's great. Why don't you? You know, I always think that you should also do like, you should also do uh, winners of the quarter. You do mm-hmm. that in, in business, right? Sure. Like, hey, em- you know, em- employee of the month. Sure, em- employee of the month, right? Like I, Khalil Tate, for instance. It's going to be very hard for him, I think, to win the Heisman because I just don't think Heisman voters are very imaginative as a whole. They have an accepted understanding of what constitutes a Heisman winner. And I don't think somebody who starts uh, in in October is necessarily that person. Now I could be wrong. However, that's the employee of the month right there. It's Khalil Tate. You can give him the employee of the month, you know, team of the month, right? You want to be like, Oh, let's shout out the Tucson office. The Tucson office sails it through the roof, right? They're they're just selling big. They're just selling big numbers. No small numbers, right? Because, the most baffling number that you'll get out of the weekend is any stat that you read from the Washington State-Arizona game. I'm not just talking about <laughs> Arizona stats, although they're weird, okay? Now, mind you, I'm going to give you the score and just just fool this for you. I, I watched the whole thing, so I'm going to spoil it for you, okay? Um, this is why math and football aren't always friends. Final score, 58, Arizona, 37, Washington State. Obviously a convincing blowout where Arizona must have had constant production on offense and held Washington State to a, a just a minimum of what they're capable of offensively. <clears throat> uh, Washington State had more yards, like like way more yards. They had 646 yards to 585. First downs. So the, this is the most – I this one broke my brain. Like I had a very, very small stroke. Another one. Looking at the stat. Because uh, – Arizona had 585 yards of offense, 58 points, and they did this on 13 first downs. What? No, 13. that doesn't. Nah, no, not right. 
something. Yeah, I mean, something, every time you look missing. up during an Arizona game, since Khalil Tate looked over, look, took over, it's like, yeah, there he goes. <laughs> there he goes, if, 76 yards. And it's if, not like he does it every play. You only see it three or four times a week, which that's a fucking lot, you know. But, like, Arizona only needs three or four plays a week. What if this was? What if this whole Arizona season was, in fact, a misguided, poorly, um, poorly communicated Heisman campaign? Be like, well, we'd like to show you, you know, here it's the Pepsi, the Pepsi challenge. Here's Arizona without Khalil Tate, and here it is with him. And now, clearly, you understand why you have to give the uh, the Heisman. Uh, Spencer, this is also a good place for you to do your assigned read for the week. All the assigned reading, because I will actually do the homework for once. My assigned reading is going to come from, let's see, reader Sean. We were just talking about the Pac-12. From Sean, he says, college football on the West Coast is superior because we have dim sum as a game day brunch option. And watching Butch Jones lose a very winnable game in hilarious fashion while eating dumplings is just better. I will take your word for it. I enjoy watching that happen anyway with dim sum, even with the chicken feet. They're really just kind of, you know, bones surrounded by this kind of gelatinous goo. Um, I'd have to agree. Dim sum could only enhance the experience of watching Butch Jones systematically lose a game. Pac-12 football, it means the right amount because we have more in our lives. It's not the tidiest tagline for a conference. I'll give you that. But there's a nugget of economical truth in there that I respect. Pac-12 football, it just means the right amount. It just means a little. just means a dash. It just means enough, man. I, I, you know, like I just, I got enough beauty in my life. Get to look out beautiful, like western ranges and the ocean, and you know, have things like nice weather and a lack of humidity. Yeah, I will say a bunch of bones surrounded by gelatinous material is what we should start calling the Arkansas Ole Miss game. That feels about right. One hundred percent. Like I don't. By the way, like another bizarre thing about Pac-12 football is if you haven't been out there, uh, Pac-12 after dark is, is really only after dark for you, right? Like it's, it's, it ends after dark, but you still actually have a reasonable evening. Um, we did point this out and I believe our warm up. I think it's worth repeating that, uh, Pac-12 in order to increase visibility, you want to put those big games on early. You want to make sure that they're, uh, front and center, right? For instance, unexpected though, it may be the battle for the Pac-12 South is likely to come down to Arizona USC, correct? Yes. They play in L.A. this coming Saturday. Ryan, Nanny, what time do they kick off? Eastern um, time. 10 fucking 45. Not even 10.30. They pushed it back 15. <laughs> so you can't have it in the middle slot because then it's going up against Bedlam. And you, I mean, if you put it, if you put it at night, it'd be up against LSU Bama. Although then you can market it as like, hey, <laughs> you want to see some points? <laughs> You enjoying that 13 to 2 game? Because we just put up that many in the last two minutes. That's not great. Um, I'm going to do the last read, and, and hopefully it will serve as a little bit of inspiration for us all going forward. This one comes from. This is from Reese. Thank you to Reese Hale. He would like to point out that Texas lost to Kansas, and people don't forget. That's uh, true. Texas sure as shit did lose to Kansas last year. That was, uh, I want to say it was around this time, roughly. It, it, it was near the end of the season, but not quite at the end of the season. 
Uh, oh, no, it was November 19th. It was their penultimate game. The game where uh, they just needed that one win would have been bowl eligible. And I say this because this is the time, you know, we as college football fans and as media members, we refuse to just accept that we know nothing, that the best way to approach this sport is that we don't know anything. We're the same people. I am the same person who said, even though Iowa State beat Oklahoma, well, they can't do it against TCU. So we're all looking at and saying, okay, well, Penn State lost to Ohio State. Their resume is not that good outside of the conference, and they don't, they didn't draw anybody. You know, the they didn't get the sort of signature win that they needed within the conference to be in the playoff. They're out. They're done. You know, we're we're all looking and we're sort of saying this is how it's going to line up. Man, there's so much dumb shit left to happen. There's there's so much dumb shit left to happen. We just saw number two and number four lose. And and we're still like, yeah, well, this is all right. Well, this yeah, the plane is on fire, but I know how the plane works, so it's probably fine. No, man, the fire is somehow going to turn into ice. The ice is somehow going to turn into an ice dragon. And the ice dragon, yeah. He's stealing all the oxygen masks. That's how his plane works. It doesn't make sense. You don't have to understand it, and it's better if you don't. By the way, I have one more stat that I did not get to unload about that Arizona game. Mm -hmm. that It'll make you ill. First of all, Arizona only ran 51 plays. Only 51. On just seven of those plays, seven out of 51, all right, they got 60% of their yardage. Sure. Uh huh. This all, yep, it all makes sense. Um, so thirteen percent of their plays, <laughs> seven seven plays accounted for sixty percent. Rich Rod, Rich Rod running, Rich Rod running that trickle down offense. There's big plays, and the production will just spread down from those. Um, we should also briefly mention, yeah, Louisville lost to Wake. Louisville has beaten, uh, let's see two ACC opponents at this point, UNC and Florida State, and two teams that are more similar than they are different at this juncture. Gave up not, four, not, not in the good way. Not in the good way. Um, gave, up four, gave up 42 points to the claw fence. Gave up 461 yards passing. John Wolford threw five touchdowns and averaged almost 14 yards of passing attempts. I mean... Can we even call what Louisville has a defense anymore? Is it is this just is this the other misguided Heisman campaign where Louisville decided, well, you know, uh, we think Lamar's really got to put up some standout numbers to impress the voters this year. So if the defense just gets off the field reliably by giving up touchdowns, that just gives him more snaps. This is good for him, right? We gotta get Lamar back out there. Go, we go, gotta go, go, get go. Lamar back out there. Send eight guys out and tell them all uh, to rush the quarterback. Let's see what happens. I mean, there's kind of some fucked up logic to it. Like he's your best player by a mile. He's the only thing good about your team. Why wouldn't you want him on the field? <laughs> yeah, doesn't I mean, he, you, doesn't that increase your chances to win to get Lamar out there? You could. It's a very Mike. Could. It's a very Mike D'Antoni approach. Like fuck defense, just go, just keep shooting, <laughs> shoot, 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 shoot. If you really want to cinch that Heisman, man. Joel Lanning's doing it. Why don't we put Why don't we put Lamar Jackson at free safety? Just Just do that for November if you really wanna If you really wanna make everybody mad as mad as fire over this, right? Like why, why is he Why is he handling kickoffs? I don't know. They're just trying to get him more time. 
more airtime. That's the only thing they can do at this point. He's not great at it. Yeah, but it's still fun. It's still fun to watch. A couple of other baffling notes. Uh, remember Virginia? 5-0 and Virginia? Oh, no. Oh, no. You know what they didn't do? It's because we said nice things. Because we said nice things about them, right? Because they lost 31-14 to Pitt, which is respectable because Pitt is America's most influential team year in and year out. So who better to course correct Virginia in their moment of hubris than a dominant Pitt squad? And Additionally, yeah, yeah, Virginia, yeah. Virginia may have blown its best chance of blow, like they got Georgia Tech, Louisville, Miami, Virginia Tech left. That said, if Virginia gets bowl eligible by scoring 48 points on Louisville, yeah, that's going to be funny as shit. Funny as shit. I, I will roll. Uh, additionally, I'd like to mention a couple of things that happened this week. Same thing happened to a lot of different coaches. Um, people who were on the verge of being fired and, you know, last week were like, man, they really righted the ship. Uh, guess who jumped back in the dumpster? A couple people. Like, firmly in the dumpster. And guess who jumped out of that dumpster to make room for him? Well, first of all, Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema just hopped out of that. At the end of October. Perpetually jumping in and out. He, well, that's, that's, he's, you know, he's getting conditioning in. That's it's like box, he's doing box jumps. Listen, hogs root, alright? Hogs root wherever they can find a win. I don't care how deep I gotta dig. I don't that care. One. I don't care what it smells like. I think the trash pit in Star Wars is the best part. I don't hey, know why uh, they left. There's uh, there's still some good meat on that bone. Just doing some dumpster jumps. Classic Arkansas workout. Yeah, they beat Ole Miss by a point. And you know what? That's not a great outcome for anybody because one point went over Ole Miss. It's not going to buy you much. But you know what it does buy you? Keeps you from losing the old miss. It's also it's also a lot more impressive when you when you realize they were down thirty one seven at one point in the first half. <laughs> old miss, old miss. This was a hell of an uh, of an Auburn impression to go up twenty four fucking points and then score two field goals the rest of the game and let this Arkansas team crawl back and beat you. It, it was especially good because Arkansas won this game on a 34-yard field goal. Ole Miss had all three timeouts left at that point, and they they froze them three times in a row. And every time, Connor Limpert went ahead and kicked the ball, even though the time had been blown. And he made all three of the frozen kick misses. So you're like, well, maybe? And he said, fuck you, and he nailed that fucking game winner. It was amazing. It was really amazing, and this game makes no sense. It should be banned in several states, and probably is. So you got you got Bert dumpster jumping out of the dumpster, or at least showing signs of getting out of the trash this week by taking Arkansas to a mighty three and five, and thus beginning the holy month of November. <laughs> since October didn't go quite so well for him. Why doesn't he just get Arkansas to schedule like seven games in November and only one in October? Just, yeah, just pull off some uh, uh, 1898 um, Sewanee shit, whatever yeah. it is, whichever team it was. Let's play two. I, I like the idea of Burt's just straddling the edge of the dumpster. Which way am I leaning? Can you tell? <laughs> you probably can't. Better not fire me. I might fall out the dumpster. Still costs, still costs like the GDP of a small country to decide which side of the dumpster he's going to be on, right? Like, those cash is heavy. Who knows what side it's going to fall on? Another person jumping back into that dumpster? Oh, man. Mississippi State uh, just helping Kevin Sumlin back into it. Just here, here, hold it open for you. You step in there. 
Isn't it warm? Isn't it cozy? Just climb back in there. Uh, Texas A&M got hammered. Like, just absolutely battered. Like, every time I looked up, I kept flipping over to this. And every time I looked up, it was Nick Fitzgerald splitting safeties. It's not good. It's not good when Nick Fitzgerald is splitting safeties on your defense. They lost 35-14. He's back. He's back in the tank. That'll be fun. And, and you know what, though? Um, the dumpster, it's looking pretty nice. It's, it's all polished up. It's been swept. Oh, there's money, there's, money, there's money in the dumpster for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Butch Jones, he's, he's done what he can to add the little homie touches because he just lives there. I, I appreciate that Tennessee refuses to close the lid, though. They're like, ah, oh, it's just, it's so much work. Can somebody else do it? Please? The Tennessee's being like real college students about it, you know? Like, Tennessee's like, eh, I could, I could clean up no, uh, actually, under actually, the this- toilet, but I'll just wait till I drop something else down there and then get them both. This all makes sense because, you know, one of one of the famous features of the UT Knoxville campus is the body farm. And if you mm-hmm. don't know, it's a place where it's a controlled field, basically, where they bury human bodies or parts of human bodies in different conditions. So they can sort of say, like, OK, this is what um, an arm looks like if it's buried in mostly limestone rich soil or something. This is what it looks like after three months, three years, whatever. And all the football program is doing is contributing to that effort because they're like, all right, let's see what happens to this dead coaching career after a certain – okay, this is what it looks like after a Kentucky loss. Cool. Let's find out what it looks like after it loses by 30 points to Missouri. Let's see what happens after it misses bowl eligibility by losing to Vanderbilt at the end of the year. This is good. This is all like very good shit here. This is super helpful. Also, one more coach who managed to – you know, join the crowd in our capacious dumpster of potentially, you know, fired coaches. Arizona State, Todd Graham, Todd Graham riding high. Great defense. Just, just flex it. Just a, just a complete remake of everything that Arizona State was. And, uh, it was, it was throwback Saturday against USC because, uh, they, uh, they, they went back to looking like they usually look. 48-17, had no ability whatsoever to stop anything USC was trying to do. Gave up 600 yards, 29 first downs, um, and uh, yeah, had worst out of all, but a really familiar one to Arizona State fans. You know how you've been holding off rushing attacks? Just, you know, oh man, tackling so well. well you know, that's everyone's inconsistent. You got back to what works, allowing 341 yards rushing. Every member of Washington, every opponent on Washington's schedule is really engaged in this impressive concerted effort to make Washington's resume as trash as it possibly could be. Even when you get down to teams like Fresno State. Fresno State was, you know, having a a good little turn to the season, had lost to Alabama and Washington both on the road, but had otherwise looked like pretty impressive. And they went out and lost it, you know, a, a two-win UNLV team. Oregon State, no, couldn't possibly get that win. Cal loses. It, Rutgers continues to be Rutgers. And the loss, Arizona State, which you thought, okay, well, maybe that's going to be one of those where you can look it back at the end of the season and say, yeah, well, that was the start of it. They beat Utah. And no, just get hammered. Every, it, it is a, It is the most um, – poorly kept conspiracy possible at this point that everybody who was assigned to play Washington this year 
just decided, all right, we're gonna make you we're gonna make it all look like ass by the end. The best Even, team, the best win you're gonna have is over Montana. Enjoy it. I was just gonna say FCS Montana, they're down <laughs> to five and three. A competitive five and three, but however much you you know, you can't say like, oh, we beat the FCS national champs or anything like that. I respect it. It's like the it's like the retro tank. Right. Hey, here's, a, like, here's a really fun fact, though. Washington and Alabama might share the same best win because they both beat Fresno State. 